I'm Kat Harris. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm an educator, brand strategist, and content creator. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface and to hold space for meaningful dialogue. It's a place where done is better than perfect, where quality triumphs quantity, and where the journey is the destination. So I invite you to leave your Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is messy and beautifully imperfect. We all have a story to tell, and I want to hear yours. Hey guys, welcome to another weekly episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm Kat Harris, and I hope you're having an awesome day. Whether you are listening to this in the car, on your way to work, or you're at home, or you're on a subway, thank you so much for taking time to listen to my thoughts and and the people that I'm talking to. And hey, I want to ask you a huge favor. If you are loving the Refined Collective Podcast, it would mean so much to me and my team for you to go onto iTunes, subscribe, leave us a rating, leave us a review. It really helps get our message out there. And it acts as this like SEO for iTunes. So the more we get, the more easy it is for our podcast to show up in the search engines, if you will. So I just want to read to you a few that we've gotten recently. Stephanie A says, can we give it up for authenticity, vulnerability, and godly women killing the game? This podcast is incredible because it's raw and real. There's no mask or pretending like everything's okay. It's full of how to get better and Kat is always willing to go first. Don't miss an episode. This could be where you finally experience healing from endless striving, exhaustion, and pretending like everything is fine. Oh my gosh, Stephanie, can I just give you a big hug? That just gives me shivers. Another one from Sarah Martin. She says, it's not optional. It's a must listen. This podcast is rich with encouragement to view our stories and valuable to share with the world around us. Lovely and beautiful and life-giving. Guys, thank you so much for these words. And again, if you are loving what we're doing, take a few minutes, open your podcast app or go onto your computer on iTunes, subscribe to the Refined Collective Podcast, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks guys. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris, and I am so excited to be chatting with Kate Warman today. She is a dear friend of mine. Like the internet world is a crazy world because we lived in New York City at the same time, didn't really know each other. And then when she moved to LA, we connected. So we are text friends, phone date friends, and both single Christian women navigating the dating world here in 2018. So I want to tell you a little bit about her before we start chatting. Kate is an LA-based lifestyle blogger, inspirational speaker, and host of the Heart of Dating podcast and co-founder of the creative content company, Kate Kate. Kate's mission is to empower women to live joyfully and authentically through a thriving and balanced lifestyle. Yes, and amen. Kate encourages women to have the courage to own their story, walk in victory, and thrive with purpose. As a single woman, Kate is particularly passionate about the topic of heartbreak and relationships and has a deep hope that the dating scene can be transformed because let's face it, the struggle is real. She loves Jesus, loves going to Disneyland as much as possible, all things French, uh, same, 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 and is wildly obsessed with Celine Dion. Okay, I did not know that you were obsessed with Celine Dion. Okay, welcome, Kate. <laughs> you didn't know, girl. Okay. Oh, I okay because 
I am in love with Celine Dion. So I am Are? so excited to find this out about you. Oh my gosh, you. we're just that much closer instantly because of that. Because anyone okay. who loves Celine is like instantly a bestie to me. I'm sorry. So Okay, so did you ever see her in Vegas? I haven't seen her in Vegas. I do own the DVD, but <laughs> which I watch frequently. When I'm bored, oh I just gosh. put it on and practice her dance moves, which are incredible, by the way. But she um, like smacks, smacks her chest and punches oh the air. There's one <laughs> on her old performance. She in um, it's all coming back to me now. There's like a storm yeah. and our lightning storm. And it's this moment where the lightning strikes and it's like boom, and her finger is like the lightning's coming out of her finger. It's hilarious. (laughs) I love that song. And remember when it came out, it was like this 10 minute long song and the music video is like so traumatizing. It's it's so weird. It's kind of creepy. It's like in this old home. I'm like, what is happening, Celine? It's like kind of sexual. I don't know. It's it's weird, but I still love her. And I have seen her though in person in Dallas when I lived there. What? And I definitely was one of the youngest girls at the concert and definitely cried. Oh, oh my gosh. As you should have. Okay. So what's your favorite Celine Dion song? Um, well, I have to say it's all not, it's all coming back to me now. Sorry. My heart will go on, but that's because like, oh, are you serious? Yeah. Oh. I'm also though, like the second thing that you probably don't know about me is I'm also really obsessed with Titanic. It's my favorite movie <laughs> ever. And so fun fact, it's like one of the fun facts about me is that I um, recorded my heart will go on at the age of nine on cassette. And so okay. that still exists out there, you know, somewhere. I mean, I have it, but it's not public, but it's, it's pretty good. I had a very hoarse voice at the time. So me trying to hit those high notes, girl, that was something else. (laughs) So you just got to like keep the volume up. I'm whenever I have the volume on super loud, I'm like, I'm a really good singer. I can totally hit that. And then, you know, I live in New York city. So I listen to music as I'm walking down the street and sometimes I'll just be singing out loud and I'll take my headphones out because I want to hear how good I sound. And I'm like, Oh God. Oh God, like, I'm really sorry. Oh man, oh man. Did, did anyone hear that? Did uh, oh, sorry. I'm sorry, yeah, girl, I feel and, you. You know, I used to live in New York, so same. Really. And you know, I do that thing where I'm trying to do the harmony mm-hmm. to like the main, the main whatever. Yeah, the melody. The I don't know. Yeah. yeah, so I'm like walking down the street in New York trying to do the harmony. And then take my headphones off and it is just is struggle. Fest. You're like, I'm sorry, <laughs> but this is, you know what? Let's just quote the greatest showman. This is me. This is me. This is my voice. Just take it or leave. That's right. That's right. You know, the Bible says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. It doesn't need to be a good noise. He said a joyful any noise. noise. You know what? When it comes to Celine, no one can sing like her. So I just kind of say, just own it. Own your Celine voice because yeah. no one has a kind of powerhouse voice like her. She's yes. one of a kind. <laughs> really is. Um, okay. So I'm so glad I found that out about you. Um, <laughs> but okay. So you and I have really connected over obviously dating stuff. You have a podcast on dating yeah. Yeah, and, and it was amazing. Oh, I just loved our chat. Yeah. Um, but where I want to start this interview is I want to hear what is the worst slash craziest date you've ever had? <laughs> Oh my word. Okay. So it's funny. I've been asked this question before and I wish I had like the most crazy outlandish story of all time. I sadly Mm. 
don't have like the most outlandish story, but I will tell you one story and it actually was in New York and it's, I do find it to be particularly hilarious. So I went out with this guy in New York and he was taking me to what he said was a nice Italian dinner and in the Upper West Side. And I was like, great. And in typical Kate fashion, I dressed up because I love to dress up. I'm really into fashion and I'm fine being the most dressed up person person just because I love I love it. I love how it makes me feel. I I, I love style. So I dressed up meeting this guy and he comes out and I'm like, okay, cat. Like I try to not judge people on their attire because honestly, it's so much more than aesthetics, right? But, but like also you're taking me to a nice Italian dinner. So, you know, I figure you're going to be wearing (laughs) something that you would wear to a nice Italian dinner. And he comes out literally in gym shorts with wet hair. And this is the best part is he... (laughs) And like, this was a while ago. So it's like six years ago, seven years ago, something like that. And on his feet where were those Nike like um, shower slides, you know what I'm talking about? This is also before slides were in, which have gotten in in the last few years. But the problem with that was, this is when people actually use those shoes to really wear them in the shower. So it was like he just went to the gym and showered at the gym and then wore those in the shower and then met me on on the street. And so... Oh my gosh. Did he like forget that you guys had a date? Was he at the gym? I like want to give him the benefit of the doubt that he was at the gym and he just like, yeah, maybe, but he just acted totally normal. And the problem was he definitely just showered in them. So it was like squishy and clunky. So every time he walked, it was like, and I was like, oh my gosh, this guy, what is happening? Why is he wearing that? And his feet were out. And I'm just, I'm just not a huge fan of toes. So I just, the whole thing. And so I couldn't get over it the whole rest of the meal. And so needless to say, if you're going to take someone on a nice date or say that it's a nice date, you know, just dress like it's a nice date. That's all. That's all we ask. You don't have to be the most stylish person on the face of the earth, but don't come out of the shower in shower shoes and take a girl on a nice date. Just just please. That's right. That's right. And I like, I have some conversations with my guy friends and they're always saying girls have such high standards. It's so expensive today. And you guys just want the world. And yes, nice dates are nice. But for me, it's like, just like a little bit of thought, like just put on a pair of pants or jeans instead of your dirty gym shorts or (laughs) like we don't have to go to this crazy meal I am just as happy like sitting on a park bench having a coffee chatting or going on a walk I think for me it's like I just want a little like the tiniest bit of effort means so much to me and I don't know if that means my standards are too low but all he had to have done, like it would have taken two or three extra minutes to towel dry his hair, put on some jeans and like a nice shirt or something. Right. Um, and like the funny thing is like, it also showed to me, okay, he doesn't really care to impress me because he knows my job is in fashion at the time. And that clearly is something I'm really interested in. And no, he did not have to show up in like the most stylish outfit, but he didn't make any effort. So then I'm like, okay, dude, so do you not, you don't know me at all. And also you shouldn't have taken me on this kind of date. You should have said, let's go ride bikes in Central Park. And I would have been like, awesome. Totally would have worn a totally different outfit. But, um, you know, it's just, I'm totally with you also that guys don't always have to spend a lot of money. And I think 
you know, this is a separate topic, but like, I think men get hung up on not having it all financially together and therefore not asking a girl out. And I don't think that it matters so much about what your bank account is. It does matter what your, where your heart's at. And you can do a lot of creative dates that don't require taking a girl to a fancy dinner. It's just being thoughtful, right? And so you can take a girl to an awesome picnic in Central Park or wherever you live, and that could be an awesome, thoughtful date. Mm, Okay. So flipping the question, what has been one of your best dates? Oh, girl, that's a good one. I got to think about it because... Okay. Yeah. I'll bring up the one last year, which also is funny. Okay. So uh, my boyfriend last year, a little over a year ago told me that he had this night planned. It was like a month out and I love planning. Mm -hmm. That's like one of my things. And so I was really impressed that he wanted to plan something in advance. And he basically told me, I want you to dress up what, however you like, and I'm going to take you out for a surprise evening. And I was like, that sounds amazing. (laughs) And so he basically picked me up. He told me, he didn't tell me anything that we were going to do. And he took me to one of my favorite French restaurants in LA, which of course I love all things French. So that already was an incredible thing. And when he picked me up as well, he was like, oh my gosh, you dress perfect for this date night. Like you didn't even know what it was. You kind of dressed up for the theme. I was wearing this like red shift, uh, shift dress. And so he, oh, and he had like the most romantic jazz music playing, all the things. And uh, <gasps> after the dinner, he basically took me to the Hollywood Bowl here in LA and took me yeah. to see La La Land live orchestra style. And I was, I'm obsessed with the movie La La Land. And so it was amazing, Kat. Like, I think. At the time, too, it was like over a year ago. So that was when La La Land was so big. And, you know, they had won some awards and everyone here in LA especially loved it. So, and we just had the time of our lives. It looked like I was dressed for the movie. It looked like he was dressed for the movie or, you know, like in, like we were in the oh movie. Gosh, and so it was so, so much so fun. Magical. And we danced oh. and yes, like under yes, the stars yes, in La La Land, like it. in LA. It was so <laughs> romantic. So that was probably one of my favorites. <laughs> Yes. So, you know what? It's all about picking up on what people like. Be inquisitive. Ask them questions about what they like, what interests them. Because also for women, like I say it, girl, like we can also plan dates for guys. And I think mm-hmm. that that's so much fun. I love when I get to do that. Yes. I Same. I think um, I talked with my friend Johan Killian on the podcast oh, last God. week. Yeah. It's such, it's such a small world. So small. Um, but him and I were talking about like, this idea that as women, we can have like guys have to do all the work, like you do everything. And, but like when you get married, it's a partnership Yeah. and how in dating, like how can we as women, like put ourselves out there in a way that's like honorable and has dignity and isn't like taking control of everything. Cause I think there's a difference between like, Hey, I want to like plan this date that as opposed, as opposed to let me take control and let me be in charge of everything. Yeah. Cause for me, I still think that there needs to be a balance of the masculine and feminine. And I want to be pursued and I want to be fought for, but I have so many girlfriends that are like, Oh, like I don't even text a guy. I'll never reach out. I would never ask a guy out. And I'm a little bit more in the middle of the spectrum on that. Like I will let a guy know I'm interested. I have asked guys out before. I have been turned down many times. But for me, there's like, as much as I want to be pursued, I am also okay putting myself out there 
What do you think about that? You know what? I completely agree with you. And I, I land somewhere in the middle too. And there's kind of like the two different sides of the gender thing. When you are in a marriage, it's usually you land on the egalitarian side or the complementarian side. And so, um, and basically the complementarian is, I think I'm going to forget it, but I think that's the one that's more like conservative Christians aspire to. But anyway, one says that we're completely a little bit more equal. And the other one says that, you know, the man should really take the lead and, and, and all of that. And I kind of land somewhere in the middle, especially with dating where women, we can take the lead in some ways by asking the guy out. We can't, if we are interested in someone, why not? I, totally think that's great. And I do believe that a healthy, beautiful pursuit is something that a lot of women do desire. But at the same mm. time, why not? Why not plan a date for a guy? Why can't we go out and voice if we're interested in someone? So I completely land probably the same place as you on that. Yeah. Just like a little bit in the middle. So yeah. like one of my mentors and, and good friends, she would always say, drop drop the hinky. Yeah. Like let a guys are insecure just as girls are insecure. And, and I've talked with my guy friends about this too. They're like, we won't really ask out a girl if we don't know if we're not sure she's going to say yes. Mm -hmm. And so my mentor would say, drop the hinky. And what she meant by that is years ago when, or like a century or so ago, when a woman was interested in a guy, she would be like sitting at her little cafe table and drop her, like look him in the eye and drop her hanky on the ground. And that was sort of this invitation, like for him to come over and pick up the hanky. Now she didn't like run over and barrel him down and be like, go out with me. <laughs> but she let it be known. Yeah. Hey, I'm looking at you. I see you. I want you to come over here. So like drop the hanky. And then we see stories in the Bible with like Ruth and Boaz in the Old Testament where Ruth essentially got to a point where she was so bold and went up to Boaz and essentially was like, I want you to marry me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when I hear like the side of the spectrum, that's like, don't do anything. All we got to do is wait. We just, you know, sit in our closets and pray and hope our <laughs> prince will come rescue us. I'm like, ah, my problem with that is what I believe the Bible to teach, which is there's a little more space for like equality in that. Yeah. And putting ourselves out there. And then also my experience of, you know, dropping the hanky. There ain't nothing wrong with dropping the hanky. Girl, I agree. I Two things on that is that one, I think we just need a, it's okay to flirt. And I think when we come in the Christian world, we're like afraid to flirt. Like, is that okay? Yes, it's okay to mm -hmm. flirt a little bit. I think we can't be so stuffy about it. Like, and mm -hmm. um, on both ends, we do need to show a guy that we are interested. I love that, the drop the hanky. The other thing is that with girls who just want to wait around, who are saying, there's just no good guys out there. I'm just going to wait until my man comes, my Prince Charming comes to my doorstep. And if people have not read Dr. Henry Cloud. He really rips this one apart. And it really ripped me a new one when I read his book, How to Get a Date Worth Keeping. But he says that if you are going to just wait for your perfect man to show up on your doorstep, then girlfriend, unless you're marrying the FedEx guy, God's not dropping anyone on your doorstep. And I think the whole thing about that is that dating has to be active on both sides. We have to be actively going out there, making ourselves open and available, and also going places and having an open mindset, whether it be 
the grocery store, Barnes mm-hmm. and Noble, at church, of course, different events, right? There's so many places where we can meet people, even as women, and we have to be open. And I know you mm-hmm. talk about that too a lot, Kat, like be mm-hmm. open. And we, as yeah. women, we're like, oh, I'm just, just he's going to see me and then he's going to know that I'm amazing and want to come talk to me. I'm like, well, why can't you talk to him as well? Why can't you show through your body language that you're also open to meeting people and being aware that there are so many incredible people out there. I mean, living in New York, right on the subway, there's so many people. We have to be aware and we can't just be sitting here waiting. And I think that a lot of women get discouraged after a really, a lot of really bad dating experiences, which I understand. We've been there. I've been there. And so I get that it's discouraging, but you can't just retract to your hole and you can't just stay inside. And if you're every Friday night is spent a girl's night at home with wine and face masks, which yes, granted, I like to do that. But, and then you're not meeting guys and being sad that you're still single. Well, there's a reason you have to get out and be more open. Yes. I couldn't agree more. And especially just the idea, the idea of being open and aware of my surroundings has been something that's really challenged me. And I think Henry Cloud talks about this and how to get a date worth keeping. Mm -hmm. So I'm out. I live in New York City. Headphones are on always. People are on their phones. And I challenge myself all the time to, okay, be present and not just to meet a guy, but because it's good to be present where I'm at throughout my day. And Last week I was in the subway and it was rush hour traffic. I'm going uptown and I'm standing next to this guy. And for those of you who have not experienced New York City rush hour on the subway, I wasn't necessarily standing next to this guy as much as I was pretty much standing on top of him. I mean, (laughs) we're like two, our noses are two inches from each other, you know, and no one's making eye contact. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's a total babe. And I'm standing there. I'm like, okay, uh, what do I do? What do I do? So I take my headphones off. The subway stops and I'm like, you know what? Why don't I just say hi to this person? He has a camera and I'm a photographer. So I take my headphones out and I say, hi, what type of camera do you have? And it was like he lit up and instantly we had this conversation about cameras and photography and what do you do and what do you do? And oh, what do you like about living in the city? And you know, it was a 10 minute conversation. No numbers were exchanged, Mm. but it was just nice. And I got off the subway. He was still going uptown and we exchanged names and nice to meet you. And that was it. And to me, that felt like an important moment. Like, yeah, nothing happened. Yeah. I don't know if he's a Christian or not. And I know I want to be with a guy that shares my faith, but just the idea of like practicing, you know what, I'm just going to say hi to this person. What is the worst thing that could happen? Like what, like he's going to make fun of me for saying hi to him. Like, right. so I think like deescalating the pressure of, I'm just going to be friendly and get to know another person and be open. You know what? The reality is I could meet my husband on the subway. I can meet him on match.com or I can meet him on the airplane. I just, I never know, you know? You know what I love about that too is not just being open to like meeting, you know, your husband or someone you're going to date, but what is so cool about being aware and by having an interaction like the one you just had, Kat, on the subway is that it allows you to be seen and allows the other person to be seen. Mm. And isn't that just 
so deeply at the core of who we are as humans. We just want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want for someone to say, hi, I see you. You know, and it's in a city like New York and wherever we live, especially a city like New York and LA though, you know, we're constantly hustling and bustling and there's so many people we're constantly seeing and it's so easy to just look past all the people like a sea of people. But what would it look like if we just recognized people more? Truly, mm-hmm. like if we actually saw them, we smiled at them, we made eye contact with them. It's those little things throughout the day that I think are little gifts that we could also give people by just looking them in the eye and smiling or saying hi. And all of a sudden that person feel seen. Mm. I mean, even at the grocery store, how many times, and I've been trying to make way more of a conscious effort of this lately, but how many times am I on my phone or I'm just like barely looking at the person, just paying out, you know, and let me get out of here to my next thing versus being like, oh, this is a real person. And yeah, maybe this job is a little mundane to be a grocer and meet so many people and have them barely care about you. But I just think there's so much beauty and recognizing the value of people, even in small ways. Yes. Oh, I think that's so challenging to me to hear and be reminded of because when we get back to what it is that all people want, what we all long for is we want to be seen, known, heard, understood, and being present and being open. What we're talking about is it's almost like we're bringing a little piece of humanity back to our, our day-to-day lives and, and even zooming out from the conversation of dating, it's connecting with another human being, another person created in the image of God. So if we're looking at humanity from that space, then every single person we come in contact with matters and deserves to be seen. And if that person deserves to be seen, it means I deserve to be seen. And if I deserve to be seen, then you deserve to be seen. I love that. I just love that our mission here is supposed to be to love as many people as possible. And so if we're stuck in our own world, which granted, I'm going to admit, I get there all the time and I'm very guilty of that. But it's a beautiful reminder to just say, I'm supposed to love as many people as possible. Even if I never see that person again, how can I best love them, right? And something, a quote I just like, this has been sticking at the top of my mind lately by actually Bob Goff, but he says that loving people doesn't mean we have to control their conduct. So even the rude person Mm. to you at the DMV or wherever you might be, because let's be real, DMV is a hard place, right? It's still, you can show love to people that um, are rude to you or when even it doesn't make sense because loving people doesn't mean we have to control their conduct. And so I think that's been something I've been really challenging myself with lately on how I can show love to people, even in small ways, even the people that maybe aren't deserving of it in that moment, right? Because they're maybe rude or unkind. This week's episode is brought to you by me. Kat Harris, I created a five-day meditation and prayer guide for you based on this verse in the Bible, Psalm 46, that says, be still and know that I am God. I don't know if you're like me, but I can feel so busy in my life that pausing and prayer and even what in the heck is meditation can seem so overwhelming to me. And I've discovered in my own life when I just take a few minutes a day to pause alone 
be with myself and invite God into that space, it's some of the most transformative moments of my day. So I created for you a free guide that you can download. It's five days worth of meditation and prayer and Bible. And I cannot wait to get this into your hands. So go to the refinedwoman.com slash meditation. Again, that's therefinedwoman.com slash meditation to download your free five days and welcome to the journey. And for those of you who are new, no worries, whether you're a Christian or not, you're welcome here. You can take the study as deep as you like. There's no right or wrong way to do it. So friends, I am with you on the journey and excited to get this to you. Okay, I just, I love what we're talking about is love and love is outward focused. It's always creating. And I love that quote that you shared about Bob Goff. So I kind of want to turn it back to you and your story. You created Heart of Dating. What is it and why is it something you're passionate about? So I have a dating history, as does mostly every person. But over the course of the last few years, you know, I've really developed a deep passion for the topic of dating overall, but also in the Christian world. And sometimes weirdly, I think Christians almost like have it worse off than people who are not Christians. And I don't know, it's just a fascinating fact. I don't know if you can agree, but it's deeply troubling in a lot of ways. And I realized over the course of the last few years, as I was having tons of conversations with friends, girls, and guys, that most of our conversations revolve around the topic of relationships, heartbreak, asking people out, all of it. And the thing is, I realized that a lot of us have really no idea what we're doing. And so I just realized that we needed more resources. And the fact is that when it comes to the Christian world, dating is not explicitly discussed in the Bible because at that time, just dating didn't exist. There were arranged marriages. Things looked very differently. And so there's a lot of resources indeed spread out over the years, a lot of advice, but there's not a lot of centralized areas where Christians and people can just access dating advice. And, you know, even when I would find one of my favorite pastors, I would scroll through all of their sermons to find like the one or two on dating and relationships. And Mm -hmm. those would be like really awesome nuggets, but there just wasn't a lot out there. And even today, you don't see a lot of churches with a large singles ministry. And so it's funny because the biggest heart cry right now of a lot of churches is for the single community, but they're kind of the least taken care of, I think, in a lot of ways. And so, and the funny thing too, is that I noticed as I started doing seminars on this topic, you know, a year and a half ago or so at my church, what I found is that a lot of people are actually afraid to come admit their fears and issues with dating. So that we kind of like have this whole mentality that we know what we're doing. Like, I'm good. I don't need to go to that seminar. I know what I'm doing. But the fact is that we don't. And so I realized that, okay, if people aren't going to come to an explicitly very clear dating seminar, how could we reach them in a way that would serve them that's very approachable for them? And that's when I discovered and thought of this idea of a podcast, The Heart of Dating. And I was like, well, that's easier for people because they could come to the comfort of their home. They can listen to it wherever they want. They don't have to be judged. They don't have to worry about what people think and they can listen to it. And my thought was too that I didn't want it to be all about myself or what I've experienced, but because I know I don't have it all together. I'm still single, still dating, still navigating the journey. And I realized for me that what would be more impactful is to just start the conversation with different individuals and especially start the conversation Mm -hmm. about a lot of topics that 
the church often doesn't like to cover, right? So there are a lot of taboo things in the church. And even our conversation, when you were on my podcast, Kat, we talked about one of them, right? Sex is a huge taboo subject in the church that can be really damaging for some people. And I also have a big heart for masculinity and femininity, boundaries, porn, masturbation, just all the things and all the controversial things, sexual abuse too. I think that unfortunately in the wake of Me Too and Time's Up and all these movements that we haven't done the best job of talking about that in the Christian church. And um, But the conversation is so widely happening at our culture at large. So that's basically what my heart is, is that we can come together and you know, admit that no one opinion is the exact end all be all right way to do it because there is no perfect formula to dating. But we can start a conversation and start getting and gathering better tools to really approach our dating lives as whole people. Because I think that's the thing too, is like we don't approach dating from the perspective of being a whole person with a deep and true knowing of ourselves and a deep and true knowing of God. Instead, we just are like, oh, right, I should be dating now. Let me do that. Let me figure out what can best suit my needs and um, you know, make me the most happy. What can I do or what person can satisfy and make me not feel insecure about myself? And that's not the point of love and relationships mm-hmm. and eventually marriage. It's so not the point. So Anyway, uh, that has been my desire. It's been so much fun. And I've always said, and I feel like a few weeks ago, God kind of challenged me in the way of being like, Kate, what happens if this podcast never takes off? What if like no one, if tomorrow everyone stops listening? Mm -hmm. And I realized I would still do it even if, you know, I never made money from it. And even if people stopped listening, because Mm -hmm. for me, it's so valuable and it's so enriching and I, I, for myself, am so enriched by it. So I would continue to do it just for that reason alone. Yeah. Well, and it is going well. People are listening and it is impacting people's lives. So I love that you're doing that. And to have a space where there's one space where you can hear from all these different thought leaders and influencers yeah. in our culture about this Thank is you. so important. Yeah. Thank so you. thanks for doing no, what fine. you're doing. Um, you talk about fear within dating and... Yeah. So I guess what I want to ask you is what's your biggest fear about dating? About dating? Oh gosh. I think my biggest fear really lies within something I experienced last year in a relationship, which was that I would get so blinded by infatuation that I would lose my own sense of self and not know how deeply and truly I was loved. So I'd wrap up so much about my identity based on another person and how much they loved me or how much they served me and what I thought they thought about me. And so my biggest fear is that that would happen again, right? Because I think that's the worst thing. One of the worst things we can do is devalue ourselves in relationships and say, you know, my past is all these different things. And because of that, and because maybe this other person doesn't quite have as hefty of a past as you do, you start putting yourself on a lower pedestal that maybe they're not even encouraging you to be on or, you know, doing anything to make you feel that way, but it's really all mental in your own self, right? It For me, I always say that when that happened, it was like I had a mirror and the choice is to have a mirror that's like in the middle where you're seeing your own flaws and you're also seeing his flaws and it's an equal balance. But in that relationship, I was so infatuated that the mirror was only on myself. And so my flaws were magnified to the nth degree. And because of that, I put him on a pedestal and devalued myself and started feeling extremely insecure about myself and my Mm -hmm. past and who I was. And so my biggest fear would be to do that again, to really lose 
my sense of deep knowing of God's deep and true love for me, basically, Kat. And it's that's a deep fear because I experienced it and I realized what it did to me. And I just never want to have that again because I think my whole life battle and journey has been through constant seeking of affirmation from men to kind of fill my identity because maybe I didn't get that a ton from male figures in my life as a child. And so because of that, I look to find it through men and validation from men. And Mm -hmm. so my deepest fear would be to ever go back to that place to think that I wasn't truly amazingly valued and wasn't Mm -hmm. worthy and wasn't beautiful. So when you look back at that relationship, what it sounds like, what I'm hearing from you is that you sort of lost a sense of yourself and saw your past, your where you weren't yeah. and then elevated where he was. Mm-hmm. And now you say you don't want to do that again. So how do you not do that again? Like what has your process post breakup, what does that look like for you? How have you leaned into this and grown or sought healing? Yeah. So I love talking about heartbreak and rejection because I think at the moment of heartbreak, we have a pivotal decision to make. We have the decision to press into the pain and embrace the discomfort. We have the decision to put it in a box and not deal with it and try to move on as best as we can. And the problem with the box scenario is that the box is just going to fill up and fill up and fill up. And if it's in the corner of your room, if you have a house, right, that box is never going to disappear unless you actually Mm -hmm. sort through it and take care of it. So when we are experiencing something like a moment of deep and true heartbreak, I think we have to, it's the best for us to choose to embrace the discomfort and to embrace the pain. And so through that process, um, that's what I did basically, Kat. So we took a break before the relationship ended. And in that time, it was really pivotal for me to actually kind of have this conversation with God where I said, you know what, God, all of the times that I've had a breakup in the past, I've always questioned my worth and my value. And I've always left thinking that that person just, I'm not lovable. And maybe if I had only done these things differently or maybe I'm too much for that person to handle or accept. And and I also always thought like, oh, I'm never going to find someone like that person. And so I remember during that time of break before we broke up, I wrote down all the lies I used to believe in breakups that really was all detrimental to me and my self-worth. They're like these lies that I was speaking to myself. And I decided I'm going to write them all out And I'm going to say, these are not happening. And I'm going to be so aware of them that I'm going to actually build myself up with truth. So then I wrote the opposite of all those lies. Like you are lovable. You will find someone else. You are not too much for that person to handle. You, yes, you may, could have maybe done some things differently, but that's not why it it necessarily ended. Mm -hmm. And so, and also I think a lie sometimes that we also believe is that that person just didn't love you. And I think that that's a hard place to fall into. And I knew in this case that he did love me and he really deeply cared about me. So, um, yeah, when you have thoughts like that, it can really haunt you. Right. And so something that was really beneficial for me is before that breakup, just making a promise with God of God, I'm going to reroute my thoughts. I'm going to take every thought captive and make them obedient to you. I want to renew my thoughts and be transformed by the renewing Mm -hmm. of my mind. I really do. So help me to do that. Help me to actually every single day, remind myself of your deep and true steadfast love. And in doing this, I was trying to remind myself that this rejection wasn't rejection, but it was his protection. And it's like kind of a cheesy line to say, but I really said that to myself every day. I was like, this is not rejection, it's protection. And it's also redirection. I'm being directed on a new path. And so 
I remember during the breakup, I literally brought a notebook to the breakup because I said, you know what? It's really easy to get into those negative self-talk thoughts. And I was going to have a shield. I was like, no, that's not happening this time. So I brought my notebook as a shield. I wrote down all the truths about myself. I wrote the truths about this relationship. And I wrote a prayer to myself that said, you know, God, I may not understand exactly why this is happening right now, but I do understand your love and I do understand your goodness for me. And I'm going to trust in that even when I don't understand. And so I swear to you, Kat, that when that relationship ended, there wasn't a moment in time that I actually questioned myself and my worth Mm -hmm. and my value because I had set myself up for success with positive self-talk and new thoughts that speaking truth over the lies and there is power in that. And processing that and actually healing from that breakup and getting on this journey of self-love, I just remember asking God every day, inviting him, going on walks, right? And like inviting him into the space of saying, you know what? I'm still grieving today. I do need to cry today, but I'm going to embrace it. And I'm going to cry it out. I'm going to invite God into my crying and we're going to just, we're going to do this thing together, right? Mm-hmm. And speak constant truth over myself. It was like every day I had to be speaking like, God, I want to be aware and fully in the know of how deep and true your steadfast love actually runs. And I asked him, I'm like, take away all the false anchors. Take away everything else except for this anchor of your love. That's all I want to be rooted to. And so in doing that, it reclaimed my sense of value and worth and allowed me to walk freely without questioning myself and my worth and value after that breakup. And so I just want to like speak to that mainly because I think so many women struggle with that in breakups where breakups and rejection kind of seek to steal everything you know about yourself. And we do have a choice and a decision to make. And something I really want to say, my last thing on that, is that I believe that we are in charge of our own healing. And so I believe that every single day you have a choice in your healing. If it takes two months, if it takes six months, if it takes a year, you have that choice by actually committing to the steps. So I want to say to people, if it's a year and a half and you're still like not healed in any way, then what steps are you taking? How are you going to be disciplined to actually make that happen? Because you can pray all you want, but you have to be actually actively taking the steps. I believe that. Ah. Yes. Amen. I am so grateful that you brought that up and are sharing that just this idea of letting yourself be in process. C.S. Lewis in his book, A Grief Observed, it's Mm -hmm. about when his wife passed away, he talks about grieving and he says, the only thing to do with grief is grieve. Like allow yourself to move through the process. But I think what you're saying is so profound Mm -hmm. because you're actually talking about faith. Faith is is seeing my circumstances. My circumstances might be trying to tell me one story, which is I am enough. I'm not enough. I'm too much. I don't have what it takes. When I put myself out there for love, I just get rejected. Like there's all these narratives that can come up so quickly in those circumstances and to identify, Hey, this isn't true. Yeah. First of all, you have to know what sh- what truth is. True. So anchoring yourself in the source for us as Christian women, that is scripture in the Bible. And it's like you literally writing down on a piece of paper, here's what is a lie and here's what is true. Mm-hmm. That takes discipline and courage because it's so it's easy. It may not be better in the long run, but it's easy to kind of go with the flow of, oh, I just... I'm just the friend. I'm never the girlfriends. Or whenever I put myself out there, I get rejected. Well, what you said, we have the choice in our own healing. And I think 
adding on to that, we have the choice about our own transformation and growth. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, I think prayer is one of the best things we can do in our life. It is saying, I am not in control. God, you are in control. I need your help. But God also heals us through our movement and taking responsibility over what am I believing as true? And is that really true? Mm -hmm. Like it takes courage to believe in the unseen. Yeah. Because it might feel unseen that I'm enough. Yeah. Because maybe every dating situation I've had has told me a different thing. Mm. But it takes it takes like, okay, let me have a greater vision of what truth is. It, it may not be what I see, but the unseen, what God says about me is that I am enough. And that, I mean, you talk about taking every thought captive. Girl. That those are like easy, yeah. cliche Christian things. I'm like, when you actually start doing that, First of all, it's completely transformative, but it's freaking hard work. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard work because our minds are a battlefield. Like every single day we have little like thoughts that come in that seek to destroy what we know about ourselves, like even in small ways. So we have to constantly be on alert and aware, right? It's like the guard that never goes to sleep. We have to be constantly on that in our brains, right? But something to that point that's really important, I think that of what you're saying is, Also, we need to stop focusing always on the why and focus on what to do to move forward because we focus on why, 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 why did this happen? And we can get stuck in the why. And honestly, like God doesn't say he's going to provide the answer for the why to everything. Like, right here, right now, if we knew all the answer of why cancer exists and all these different things, then, I mean, there wouldn't be hardships in the world, right? And so we can't focus so deeply on the why and we can learn from our situations and we should desire to learn and grow from them. But we need to also focus on, well, what steps, like what actual things am I going to do to transform my mind? And what actual things am I going to say to myself every day? What disciplines am I going to put into place and healthy practices and boundaries and all of that? So, there's a lot in what in actions that we can take in doing the what we can do to move forward. Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, girl. Amen. Preach. You preach, girl. Preaching on the Refined Collective Podcast. Preach. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> um, so I just kind of, as we were starting to wrap up, what I want to hear from you is you've talked to some pretty incredible people over the last few months since your podcast started. What are three things that you've learned about dating, love, marriage, sex, the whole plethora. Like if you're like these three things, if someone is listening to this podcast today, I want them to know this. Yeah. Okay, girl. I love this question because I'm like, gosh, it could probably be 10, 15, 20 things. So three things is great and fine. I'm going to think of the three that come to mind right now. So one thing that I will stand on a soapbox, talk about all day long is that there is no such thing as the one and soulmate. And I think that that's a really detrimental and unfortunate narrative that we have in our culture at large today. And it's very problematic, especially because of Hollywood and the media, and we have to debunk it. So first of all, for anyone listening, if you want to know more about what I'm talking about, go read The Sacred Search by Gary Thomas because he lays it down and he's a pretty conservative Christian. So he, this is controversial for him and he admits to that, but he believes highly that there's not just one person because we have free will. And the problem with this idea of the one is that 
in marriage, when we do get married one day, it brings you into close proximity with someone else. So you're going to change no matter what, when you're close proximity with someone in very profound ways. So, and also I love that Tim Keller says this actually, I think in the meaning of marriage, but he says that basically every person on the planet is compatible for us in some minor way. So there is, there is not it, you can't say like this person is so incompatible. There's you could choose a lot of different people. The mat, the point of the matter in that is that there are better choices than there are others, right? So I could have chosen, or could have my ex last year could have chosen to not break up with me, and we could have stayed together, and we probably could have had a decent marriage, and but it would have maybe been really, really difficult and had a lot of troubles, right? But we could have chosen mm-hmm. to be together and that could have been my quote unquote soulmate, right? Uh, but the point is that there were things unseen in that relationship and that relationship ended. And now in a lot of healing, I've actually realized those things that I didn't see while we were together. And I've said, God, thank you so much for actually protecting me from w- being with someone that probably wouldn't have been the easiest time for me. And not to say marriage is easy, but wouldn't have been the best fit for me overall. And so mm-hmm. I think that, you know, it's also really easy to have this narrative of soulmate and the one. And then we talk a lot about infatuation. We can madly fall in love with someone that's just an attraction to really someone that meets all of our needs and can address all of our insecurities and any of the doubts that we have about ourselves. So I think that we just have to get away from that culture of saying the one and soulmate, because I do think that they, we do have a choice. Um, God doesn't say in the Bible, like, I'm going to show you exactly who it's going to be. That doesn't exist anywhere. So anyway, that's number one. Uh, number two is actively using our singleness to know ourselves better, to know others better, to know God better. This time is so critical in our lives. It's so critical. And I did have a guest on, actually, you had him on too. I love John Tyson. And filled with such rich wisdom. And he basically said when we were sitting down in our singleness that we should be cultivating holy ambition for the kingdom of God as a single. And I just love that. Like we need to be using this time to be asking the burning questions of the world and of our faith. And I've used this time in my singleness to dig into healing from my past. You know, I've went to therapy. I've taken a role of leadership at my church. I've found um, a heart for different servitude in volunteering, especially at prison ministry here in LA. And I've been able to, in this time, ask myself questions about things like racism and, you know, masculinity and femininity and gender roles and and sex and all of the things. And I really want to know, where do I actually land on those things? I don't want to enter into a relationship and a marriage without an actual idea of where I land on those subjects and those things that I should be questioning. So that's number two is actively using our singleness. And then the last thing I'll say is we just need to stop putting so much pressure on dating. And if we do that, we'll stop getting so disappointed because the things I I put out polls on the Heart of Dating Instagram and everyone's just so disappointed, right? They're so heartbroken. They're so sad. But if we stop putting so much pressure on dating and see it and reframe it in our minds to see it as an opportunity to meet someone different from ourselves and appreciate the personhood that they are, then we could actually enjoy dating. We can learn more about other people. We can learn more about ourselves. We could have an enriching experience actually, and it could be really awesome. And so what I tell people is throw out your list of aesthetics. There's so many different things that you have a quality 
qualifications, check the quality of your actual qualifications. And instead, what I encourage people to do is write down like five top things, just five qualities that you're really looking for in someone and allow the rest to just be preferences. But don't be so rigid on the rest of it. Because if you have five things, that's pretty good, right? It covers a few bases. If you have five things, don't have it be so rigid that this person needs to meet all 20 different things. And on the first day, if they don't, then they're out, you know, because right. we don't give people right. enough of an opportunity. And we in turn don't allow God to actually show us what he made, which is that he knows better for us than we actually do. And I've had him show me that a lot in past relationships when I actually dated people that I never would have probably anticipated I would be interested in dating. And God showed me so much about myself and about other people through that process. And so we kind of need to go outside of our comfort zones. So those are probably like the top three things I would say, although I probably go on and on. I think that's so, so good and so helpful. And one of my mentors, the same one that would say, drop the hanky is the same one that says, dating is a curb, not a cliff. Right. So we put all the, the stakes feel so high. Oh my gosh. Like I'm going on this first date. Like, is this my husband? Is this the one? Is this my soulmate? And then we're, it's like, we're stepping off a cliff and plummeting to our death if it doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. But for me, I'm like, it's a curb. It's a curb, not a cliff. Like, let's just like, there's no need for a date to have such high pressure and expectations and, Um, it's just really getting to know another person. And one of my pastors says, there's no such thing as a boring person because if we're all made in the image of God, God doesn't create boring. He's the ultimate artist and ultimate storyteller. So there's something in each person we come in contact with that is reflective of God. And so there's something interesting about them. And so that has like challenged me because I have felt bored on dates. (laughs) Yeah, same. But I'm like, oh, they may just be really introverted and they may just be totally different. I'm an extrovert. So it doesn't mean, and I've dated an introvert and actually it's pretty awesome, you know? And so, yeah, just because they're like boring in the beginning. Also, people are nervous in the beginning. Like give people grace on a first date. Like I've been clunky and awkward on the first date so many times. So like give people a shot and the benefit of the doubt. (laughs) And with our girlfriends, we're, I'm not like, okay, Kate, let's hang out. Um, and if it's not the best hangout that I've ever had, I never want to be your friend again. Like we don't do that with friendships, but for whatever reason with dating, it feels like the stakes are so high. And well, I didn't like the shirt he was wearing or back to the initial story. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, we don't put that same pressure on dating as we do friendships. And really when we're thinking about a partner, at least for me, I'm like, yeah, I want to have physical chemistry. I, I want to be attracted to them sexually. Mm-hmm. Like that is important it and is important. good. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I want a best friend. Totally. And it takes time to get to know a person. Oh, it's so dense. You just got to give it time. I'm like, at least give it three dates too. I always yes. say, try to give it three dates unless it's like totally bomb, right? Until mm-hmm. it like totally bombed. But you don't really know until after three dates. And if you had three dates and it's not great, you're not, you don't think you're connecting, you don't, you're not compatible, then that's fine. You can go on being friends with, mm-hmm. uh, if you decide to use clear, honest communication and don't ghost someone, which like, please people don't do ghosting. Don't do that. Um, 
my gosh, I can't with the ghosting thing. But (laughs) like we can be friends. It's not the end of the world. You don't have to avoid the person that you went on three dates with for the rest of your life. Like we are grown adults. Let's act like people that aren't little high schoolers or middle schoolers that are like afraid to see a person again because we're nervous Mm. um, and embarrassed. Like, no, we can be adults and appreciate the person and be friends with the person. Yes. Amen. (laughs) Um, Last question for you, Kate. Yeah, girl. What do you know for sure? (sighs) Also, I totally stole this from Oprah's podcast and I thought it was such a great question. Oh my gosh, I love Oprah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm going to say this. I know, I know that I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know that I'm on an irreplaceable story that I will trust God in every step of the way. And I will never want to get out of this irreplaceable story. And I want to enjoy every single moment of it because I know that in the end, it's an irreplaceable journey and I'm grateful to be on it. Ah, well, thank you, Kate, for sharing your heart and your story with us. And we literally got through like three questions. So I'm going to have to bring you back for more. <laughs> Please. We can, just yes. have, we can talk forever, girl. Okay, yes. That's what's so fun about it. Um, so tell everyone where can we follow along with you on social, on iTunes, all the things. Yes. So I have my personal Instagram and blog, which is at Kateness. And so that's like my nickname. And no, it's not Katniss Everdeen. But yes. But like, it's fine. I can be ref- like, it sounds like Katniss, right? Um, so it's Kateness, K-A-I-T-N-E-S-S. And I have a blog. I have an Instagram. And then my podcast is at Heart of Dating. And it's also Heart of Dating on iTunes and basically everywhere where you can find podcasts, it's pretty much there. So I love connecting with people. I love getting DMs and just sharing stories. And I'm really open to that. I try to have boundaries with social media, but I also just love the community and interacting and hearing from people, especially like we talked a lot about dating and heartbreak. I love hearing people's stories of dating and heartbreak. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, you do love Titanic, so. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, come on. I'm just looking for my Jack, right? That's like that's right. all I'm doing is my Jack Dawson. Like where he at, yo? But do you want Jack? Because don't you think if he was a little smarter, he would have gotten on that? Right? Oh my <laughs> gosh. Every time I watch it, I'm like, no, have you seen the things? Like there's memes where it says like, there are ways he could have gotten on. <laughs> and I just, I'm like, James Cameron needs to go back and rewrite the ending. Like I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> they need to have a Titanic too, where they're like, that didn't happen. Jack survived and they both made it. And this was Kate and Jack's, oh, not Kate, Rose and Jack's <laughs> life. <laughs> well, that was like a me. Freudian slip. Wait, me. <laughs> me. Me. Well, girl, I love you. And i um, just so excited about what you're up to and can't wait for people to listen in on this. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for this podcast, for the gift you are to others. Love you. And thanks for having me today. Bye. Bye. Kat Harris, and you've been listening to the Refined Collective Podcast. You can follow our journey on Instagram at The Refined Woman, our website, therefinedwoman.com, for show notes, other features and interviews, and a deeper look into our tribe. Find us on iTunes, The Refined Collective. Subscribe, rate, review, and leave us some love. Join me next time, and thank you so much for listening. And one last thing, in case you ever forget, you are not alone. Your story matters, and you belong here. 